so what we've been doing is we've been looking at the book of Daniel, and uh, and again, the book of Daniel is apocalyptic literature. So apocalyptic literature is filled with uh, visions and imagery, and uh, things are done in an almost poetic way and a symbolic way, and we don't know. Yes? I was just seeing if they wanted a chair. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so, um, so God uses apocalyptic literature to describe dark and foreboding times that are dominated by evil events and influences throughout the Bible. Um, so the book of Daniel was written to show godly people how to shine in the midst of an oppressive, ungodly atmosphere or culture. And God preserved the book of Daniel for us. He preserved it to reinforce our faith and to give us hope as we await our deliverance. And we'll apply God's Word as we go through the study to our modern living. And that's really the premise of this class is we want to... You know, we could be over analytical about any particular text, but what we're wanting to look for are applications for us today. How do we live in these dark and foreboding times? So, uh, the story of Nebuchadnezzar and the image of gold that he builds. Who would be so bold as to give us an abbreviated summary of that story? Just your own version of that story, what you remember from it. Who can, who just tell us, tell us the story. No, no, no. The story of the image of gold, not the one where it's the head of gold. And this is different. This is where Nebuchadnezzar builds an image of gold. So Nebuchadnezzar decides that he's going to be as great as God. So he builds a giant gold statue and is like, everyone worship this thing. And uh, everyone does except for Ananias, Azariah, and Mishael, which is... Yeah, so so he throws them in the furnace and what happened? And they get burned up? No, the God sends an angel and um, they don't buy. And then Nebuchadnezzar pulls them out and is like, wow, your God must be really great. Um, and so then he writes a whole. No, yeah, then he does thing is that their God is great and they can worship them if they want to. Awesome. Maybe you have I'm just going to add a small detail to that. When uh, the soldiers, I guess, went to put them in, they got blasted with the flames and immediately died. Yeah. Just to, just to understand the magnitude of the flames. It was yeah. that hot. It was that hot. So, here we actually do have... Um, uh, somebody asked a, a few weeks ago, why do we call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when their Hebrew names are not that? Um, uh, basically, the primary reason is they're only called that in like the first chapter of Daniel. After that, they're called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So, predominantly called that. And the reason is this chapter is actually written not in Hebrew. It's written in Aramaic, the language of the common Babylonians. Okay? So, you know, in, in, in our culture, we, we talk about things like Newton's laws of motion. But elsewhere in the world, they don't call them Newton's laws of motion. Galileo actually wrote Newton's laws of motion before Newton was even born. But he wrote them in Italian, put them in his diary, and hid them under his bed. He didn't publish them. Nobody read them. He wrote them in his diary in Italian. Educated people of the day spoke Latin, not common Italian. 
Okay. Newton not only writes them in Latin, but also in English and publishes his work. So there's a reason why the world thinks of them as Newton's laws of motion, and it's because Newton made them available and revealed them to the world as opposed to holding them in secret. Keep in mind that apocalypse actually means a revelation. The Spanish Bible, the book of Revelation is called Apocalypse. Okay? In Spanish. Okay, it's a revelation. God's not using this symbolic meanings and, and, and literary terms and stuff like that. He's not using that to deceive us or Nebuchadnezzar or anybody else. He's doing it to make it vivid so that we remember it. So you remember the story of this idol, if you were told it as a child, you remember this, because it just seems so bizarre. These guys are thrown in the fire, and they come out, and they don't get burned. People die, okay? But not God's people. So this is done, God's doing this in, an, uh, in a way that's, that's so dramatic that we can't miss the points, okay? So if we get focused on the details and the stories and we think it's about the story, we've missed the point. The story has a point and it has actually several points. So uh, it's a test of our faith. So uh, our faith is actually on trial today and Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego's uh, faith was on trial then. So if somebody would read for us then uh, the first three verses of Daniel 3. <clears throat> King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Okay. So, uh, tell me about tell me about this image. It's huge. It's huge. Absolutely grand. Covered in gold. Covered in gold. It's out on some plane. Out on a plane, so flat, level field for all the people. And it's elevated. Yeah. yeah. What else? Um, I would also say that it's something of great significance, especially <laughs> if he summoned all those people to yeah. help them. Yeah. It's okay. nothing small to get that many people to travel. Yeah. yeah. So these people from all, these are, I mean, imagine getting all the governors of all the states together just for this big meeting. Okay. Tell me about this statue. What's it of? It doesn't say, but I think yeah. it's Nebuchadnezzar. What's that? It's of Nebuchadnezzar. Is it Pro of gold though? Because it says image. It is of gold. But when, but when we begin to, to explore it, it actually appears that a little bit later on, it's made to look like a, a person. Okay? So. So what's going on? We're talking about an image of gold made in a human likeness. 
in Romans chapter 1, Paul talks about how that the demonic world tricks us into worshiping the creation rather than the creator. And it starts by going from creator to worshiping each other and images of people into images of birds, which are lofty beings. Okay, we listened to a John Denver song, Flying Like the Eagle, this week. You know, and we, you know, and high up on, you know, and we're, we're thinking, oh, that's, that's all lofty and all that kind of stuff. But we didn't worship it. Okay, but then, you know, and, and, then, and then he goes, then into animals, Paul says in Romans 1, and then into reptiles. You're worshiping an iguana? You know, a lizard, a snake. You're worshiping that? There are people that do that. That's, that's the way the descent of worship begins. We start with these very, very uh, human-like images that are so impressive. We're standing there in awe of them. And we, we say, oh, that's great workmanship, okay? And that's, you know, that's fine. But when we worship them, it becomes a totally different thing. And so, um, so let's keep going. Verses 4 through 7. Somebody? Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, as soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. When they heard the sound of music, all peoples of every language fell down. So what's he asking them to do? Physically. Worship. Fall down, worship. Okay. How do they know when to do it? When music, when music is great at inspiring people and bringing them into a worshipful experience, it speaks to our soul. Okay, so, um, so music is powerful. Don't I, I hear people all the time saying, "I listen to such and such music, but lyrics are garbage." But I don't pay attention to that. You may not pay attention to it in your mind, but your heart and your soul are paying attention to it. Don't forget that you're not just a mental, physical being. You also have a spiritual nature as well. So be careful about what you invite into your mind and your body and your soul. Because Satan works through those things. He did in Babylon. He does today. So be careful about those things. Um, Tell me about the folks that are assembled there. Who, who has to do this? Everybody. Everybody of any significance. Everybody. Everybody of significance? Or, or wait, no, that was just for the and nation. every language. Wow. Wow. So now let me ask you, spiritually, what is he requiring them to do? Not physically, but spiritually. Submit. Submit to whom? The image. The gold image? Did the gold image make any rules? Submit to him as king. I can tell you who to worship. 
Okay? As king. I can tell you, this person is worthy to worship and this person is not. This is, by the way, one of the reasons for the American Revolution, because we didn't want somebody else telling us who we could worship. So we have freedom of religion in this country. Okay? Uh, there was there was still you know the the Church of Virginia and the Church of Massachusetts and stuff like that just like they had a Church of England so there was still uh, uh, each state still had their own autonomy if you will in worship but they had specific churches that they expected people to go to and it was required in some cases okay so. What he's saying here is, you've got to worship. I can, I can tell you, this is who you are to worship. Okay. By the way, don't think that this is just Babylon. I believe it was Polycarp who said, when they said, you got to die because you're a Christian. So why, as an old man, don't you go ahead and just deny Christ? Anybody know the story? What did Polycarp say? Say it louder. My whole life Christ hasn't abandoned me. Why would I abandon him now? My whole life Christ has not abandoned me. That's, by the way, exactly the attitude of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We don't know exactly where Daniel is in this. If you look at the History Channel's uh, view of things, they got a bunch of things wrong. But uh, we don't know where Daniel is. But one of the things that they did was they had a few guards standing up with Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel is standing up there as like the chief advisor. And so he's standing and he, the king, and the guards don't have to actually bow. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know where Daniel is. The scripture doesn't address that. Okay? So all I can say is... We definitely see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, by the way, this, this plays a part in uh, some of the things that we do today. I, I have students that refuse to stand up and say the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag because they take a religious objection to it. They don't want to pledge themselves to the flag. They don't want to pledge themselves to the United States because they believe they belong to God and only to God. In the same way, I don't want to pledge myself to a woman other than my wife, who disappeared. <laughs> I don't know where she went. Oh, okay. So, you know, so this is about loyalty. This is about what we call fealty. Ha! Ouch! Disloyalty with vengeance. That's Nebuchadnezzar right there. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar says, you're not, going to, you're not going to submit to me. I'm telling you, bow down. He even gives them a second chance here. Bow down and it'll be okay. okay? The, many of the early Christians were told the same thing. Bow your knee to the Roman gods. You don't even have to believe it, they were told at times. You don't even have to believe it. You just have to say it and your life will be spared. And they said, we will not do that. Wow. Okay. Sometimes governments, sometimes people require an allegiance from us that they believe supersedes our allegiance to God himself. Okay. Now, the Bible's full of people who make oaths of allegiance. Ruth and Naomi, 
Okay? So the apostles made an oath to Jesus. So you got a bunch of different ones. David's mighty men made an oath to him. Joshua made an oath. The apostles all made an oath. And early Christians made an oath. Okay? I was, uh, I was part of a church that was off of a military base for a while. And, um, well, I guess it's always off of the military base. I was part of it for a while. And, um, and, and when they baptized a person, they said, you realize that by owning the name of Jesus Christ, you may be killed. You may be cut in half. You may be, and they named like 40 tortures. And I'm going like, this is for somebody who's about to be baptized. You know, we think of it as, ooh, I get down in the water, I come up out of the water, I was a good person when I went in, I'm a better person when I get out. No, I was a non-Christian when I went in. I have pledged allegiance to Jesus Christ and to God when I come out. I am married and I have an allegiance that supersedes national allegiance, supersedes my allegiance to my wife if she asks me to do something that is ungodly. Okay? Mine has never asked me to do anything ungodly. I will say that. Okay? So that's what Nebuchadnezzar is saying to them. I had a boss in the military one time that asked me to do something that was unethical. He asked me to lie. And I said, I will not do that. Okay? God tells me it's a sin to lie, and for me to say that I will not lie because my boss requires it of me, put me in jeopardy. Okay? I could have faced a court-martial. I could, if I was convicted in a court-martial, lose my, uh, my, my uh, commission in the military and get a dishonorable discharge, and I would never have been able to be a teacher in a public school. Okay? So, um, so there were huge consequences. I know people at this church, I know people who were told to do things, refused to do them, that their boss required, and they were fired. I know other people that were told to do things, and as they understood them, they were ethical, but their boss understood the details and knew that it wasn't ethical, and then the boss took, let the person take the rap for it, and they went to prison prison. I'm not talking went to jail while they're waiting sentence. They went to prison for a couple of years. Okay? Wow. Because their boss told them to do something. They thought it was ethical, but it was not. The boss knew different. Boss claimed to be a Christian. Okay? So, uh, there are good examples and bad examples of these oaths. Jesus says be very, very careful when you make an oath. Okay? So, um, idolatry, uh, the Bible's full of them. Gibeonites, Judas made the same oath as the other apostles. Uh, basically, Ananias and Sapphira said, I swear that this is all the money that we got for the property. They lied to the apostles and they lied to the Holy Spirit. They keep back part of the money. Okay? They said, my allegiance is to money over my allegiance to God. So, and then, he died. and then they died. Ananias died, then he pulled Sapphira in, his wife, and, you know, she says, yeah, that's right. Same thing happens to her, okay? Slow learner. Um, okay, let's look, uh, let's look at what's going on behind the scenes here. Uh, 
A lot of times unbelievers will use tactics to criminalize believers. Okay? Legal attack, official word. Okay? Uh, we'll see, uh, we see the ethnic difference. Let's see, whoever did not fall down worship. Oh, there are some Jews. Look at that. But there are some Jews whom you've set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Pick that up? Jews. Okay? It's not just anti-Semitism. It's a, I mean, this is supposed to be a multicultural society, Babylon is. And yet, the very first thing that pops out is, oh, they're Jewish. They're different from us. Okay? And it doesn't matter. It does not matter who it is. People are quick to throw in ethnicity, cultural differences, language differences. Okay? They're quick to throw those things in your face and to try to cast you out based on those. Power moves. Okay? Look at what they, you know, these are people who you've set up over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Okay? Their accusers are using all kinds of weapons in this short little statement right here. Okay. So don't miss it because Satan will let unbelievers attack you in the same kind of way. Okay? Your language is different. You don't cuss like we do. You don't drink hard liquor like we do. Okay? Or you can't hold your liquor like we do. Or whatever. Okay? I mean, it's not uncommon in some cultures to be, you know, for a man that's a businessman to, to be given a prostitute as a gift from the company. Okay? Well, when you refuse that, that can be an insult to the other person, the person that gave the gift. Are you going to take that? Are you going to refuse it? Okay? These are things that happen and things that are expected sometimes, going to conventions and stuff like that. Here in the United States, doesn't have to, doesn't have to be elsewhere. Okay? So don't miss it. Our loyalty to Christ is, is an attack on our Christian culture. Okay? You attack me all you want to about being an American, but when you attack me about being a Christian, I will absolutely, I must absolutely stand firm and not bow my knee, not bend my knee, okay? And that's what Polycarp did. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, okay? Verses 13, let's see how uh, the prosecution presents their case. So, verses 13 through 15. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship in the image of gold I have set up? Now if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be immediately thrown into a blazing furnace. Then what god will be able to rescue you from my hand? Yeah. What do you all hear Nebuchadnezzar saying here? Gonna put you in the smelting furnaces that they have outside of Babylon. Going to put you in these smelting furnaces. I think he's just kind of trying to manipulate them with a, with a threat, you know. It's like a extrinsic motivation kind of thing. Yeah. He thinks he's stronger than God. 
Yeah. He thinks he's stronger than God. I mean, it's a direct challenge to his authority because evidently everybody was there and saw it. So it's, you know, if he lets it stand, I was like, wow, I guess Nebuchadnezzar's really kind of a pushover. You just do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, and so he has this episode of like, no, I'm, I'm the God king here. I'm in control. If you disobey me, you're on the chopping block. Absolutely. Because he already said he's going to burn up. can't really back down. Yeah. Yeah, he's already told them, this is, you know, if you do this, this is what I'm going to do. So his only recourse is to say, oops, I'm sorry, I'm the king. Not really an option for the king of Babylon because once you wrote a law down, then it was, it was law. It couldn't actually be changed in Babylon. Okay? That was part of the Hammurabi Code. Okay? So... Uh, I, we don't know if he wrote this law down, but uh, but he did demand it. Okay, so uh, it, he's going to lose face. He's going to lose honor, and he threatens their physical health. He threatens them. Okay, I have had people threaten me. You've probably had people threaten you, but it may or may not take the same kind of form. Okay. They threaten you with being fired. They threaten you with not being promoted. I remember one time when I was in the army, uh, there was a, I was a first lieutenant, and there was a first lieutenant that was senior to me, and a major asked him, will you go play golf with us? I need a fourth for our foursome. And the lieutenant said, no, I'm busy that day. And the major said, oh, I thought you were up for promotion soon. Okay, you, are, you may not consider that a threat, but, but it was a strong hint that I've got authority over you in some way. Principals at school, parents, you know, when I spoke to, when I spoke to my children, you know, Cheryl would tell them to do something, and, and I would, you know, when it was my turn to tell them to do something, I didn't say, hey, will you please do this? I said, do this. Did you hear the tone of my voice just change? Okay. That's I mean, that's, that's a little bit threatening and intimidating. Okay? People will use all kinds of tricks to try to get you to give up your loyalty to Christ to God. They'll use ridicule. They'll use social things. Okay? We're all doing this. Why don't you want to do it? Okay? So your, your loyalty to Christ, your loyalty to God is on trial pretty much every day. Okay? So blazing furnace. Um, does the king actually have the authority to throw him into a fire? Yes. Yes, he does. By the way, in Romans 13, Paul says, you should obey the laws of your country because the soldiers don't have a sword for nothing at all. I'm going to tell you, folks, Roman soldiers were not known for using their swords to spank people or to give them time out. The sword is an instrument of death, of cutting. Okay? So David Young referred to that cutting off, uh, cutting off limbs, cutting off hands or feet. He referred to that in his sermon this morning. So the Roman soldiers, 
that Paul's writing about in Romans 13. He says, you should do what the government requires of you. Now, I'm going to tell you what the government requires of you. They require that you drive the speed limit. Ouch. If you don't drive the speed limit, you're disobeying the government. Okay? Keep in mind that they've got the ability to exercise things on you. They could charge you a fine. They could garnish your wages from your taxes, okay, uh, and all kinds of other things. So they've got, you know, they, they've got legal recourse to do though. That's authority given to them from God. So here we see that the government actually does have some authority to do things. They can confiscate my land, but that doesn't mean I have to give up Christ. My allegiance to Christ supersedes my allegiance to my property, my own body. They can kill me, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, and I'm still not going to yield. Okay? So, uh, let's look at this test of faith then. 16 through 20, somebody. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Stop. Thank you. We don't need to defend ourselves before you. By the way, that's what the early Christians said. I'm, I'm not going to defend myself. That's what Jesus said. That's what Watchman Nee said. A Christian in China. When other Christians were saying, you're doing these things wrong, and he knew he was innocent, other church leaders that were loyal to him and loyal to the Bible said, why don't you defend himself? And he said, my Lord Jesus Christ was on trial and did not defend himself, neither shall I. I don't have to defend myself. Now, I will say that uh, I will say that Paul defends himself before Agrippa. Paul defends himself. So uh, there is a balance here. I, I don't know a balance. There, you can uh, you can justify both as a Christian from examples in the Bible. So it is up to us to decide when to defend ourselves and when not to. But I've decided when people are attacking attacking God. I don't really have to, I don't have to defend God to those people. They don't want any part of God. I don't have to defend God to those people. There's, you know, that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say. They say I, we don't have to defend ourselves to you. Okay? Believe it or not, we believe it, and we believe it enough that we're going to live for it, and we'll, we will die for it. Okay? Okay, keep going, please. Um, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, uh, then Nebuchadnezzar was furious, and his attitude shifted towards them, or his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of his strongest soldiers to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. Yeah. So, tell me about, uh, tell me about the physicality here. The furnace is seven times hotter than usual. 
hotter furnace. Raise the stakes. He raised, raised the stakes. Okay, what's that? Strong soldiers, some of the strongest soldiers he's got. What else? He also used those strong soldiers, not shoulders, to tie them up so that they had no chance of escaping. Bound them. They had no chance of escaping. What else? Tell me about Nebuchadnezzar. He was furious. Furious. Okay. Furious. Emotionally, can we say he was distraught? You know, this guy's furious. He's boiling over. So what we see here is emotionally, physically, this has been an attack on Nebuchadnezzar the way he looks at it. He responds with a counterattack of tremendous authority and power. Okay? Look at what they do to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It says they throw them into the blazing furnace. They don't just lower them like Daniel was lowered into the lion's den. Okay? They throw them. It takes a lot to throw a person. Especially three of them tied together. <laughs> and three of, well, we don't know they're tied together, but they're at least tied up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it takes a lot. And I'll bet you Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're not saying, please, let me help by jumping. <laughs> no, I don't think so. No. Okay? So, let's see the judgment. How does all this uh, prove? Uh, what does it prove? So, um, we're looking at how God proves His faithfulness. So somebody read 21 through 25 for us. So these men wearing robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the burning fires, uh, furnace. Mm -hmm. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Wow. This is pretty amazing. Okay. As a matter of fact, we can say that Nebuchadnezzar was amazed. Okay. What indications do we have that he was amazed? Yeah. When I, was, when I was in the army, they always said, officers walk. Because if you're running, we're talking not, not for exercise, but when, you know, if you're running, then that indicates that you weren't prepared for the situation. You don't want other people to see you panicking or having to rush. You got to have, a, you know, the, the old deodorant commercial, you know, people under pressure and they say, never let them see you sweat. Never let them see you sweat. That's kind of the attitude here. Nebuchadnezzar's thrown that out the door. He leaps up. Okay. And what does he do? He exclaims, wait a minute. How many people did we throw in there? I'm seeing four. Who's this fourth one? That's what he's asking. Okay? And weren't they bound up? And look at look at how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were clothed. What does it say they had on? Trousers, 
Yeah. Trousers, turbans, other clothes. Did you say anything about fire retardant materials there to y'all? Does not to me. What's that? Teflon underwear. No, no, no. Uh, okay. And no, no Kevlar here, no asbestos. Yeah, asbestos underwear. That wouldn't have turned out so good 40 years later. Uh, so, uh, yeah, none of that. Okay. By the way, uh, uh, we get our word pajamas from the Babylonians. They, that was the word for that was the word for trousers. Okay. So, uh, is is a Persian word for pajamas. Uh, pajama is a Persian word for trousers. Okay, or pants with legs. Um, pants with legs? There's pants without legs? Yeah. Shorts? Underwear. Work, Underwear? Work pants. I don't know. They're not really Long a thing for a while. Yeah. Don't Yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah. Sorry. We, we, Sorry. More yeah. yeah. Uh, so, more importantly, uh, there's physical evidence here. Physical evidence that God is actually doing something is working. Okay? Who else do you know in the New Testament that there required physical evidence? Thomas, Thomas did, didn't he? He said, Unless I put my hands in his, unless I touch him, feel him. By the way, when Jesus presented himself to the apostles, he ate with them, they heard him. They experienced him in a physical form. By the way, this is exactly the kind of communion that Adam and Eve had with God to start with. They were in the cool of the day, walking with God. They heard him. They hid from him their sin. Okay, that's a business of sight. Okay, so we are sensory beings. God gives us evidence about spiritual matters so that we can have confidence even with the physical evidence. Okay? So, look, I see four people in there. Okay? And so then we get, this is one of my favorite groups. Thank you very much. We hope you Y'all know who that is? Next, we'd like to Johnny Cash. Present, uh, That's not who's going to sing. Working our show regular, uh, four young men from Virginia who are brother brothers, the Statler brothers, on one of our favorite spirituals, the Fourth Man. Here are the Statler brothers. That tells the story, doesn't it? Now that's the kind of music that inspires us, that calls us. To worship God and to realize the power of God manifest in a physical world where he shows us that he is so much more than governments. He's so much more than your boss at work. He's so much more than anybody else that demands allegiance from you. And people do. They expect you to be truthful to them. They expect you to be honoring them, to have fealty to them, which is just from the Latin word faithfulness, to be faithful to them rather than faithful to God. Okay? So here in our country, we like to say God first, then, I don't know, 
you could talk about your priorities. God first, then maybe it's country, and maybe it's family after that, or maybe it's family and then God, uh, country. But God's first. Okay? Not everybody has that opinion. There are lots of people in this country that don't have the opinion that God goes first. We should have the opinion that God goes, not opinion, we should have the dedication that God goes first. Okay? There are other government, there are governments, ours is not one, but there are, not yet, Our, there are governments across the globe that say country goes first or culture goes first. God comes later on. Okay? Do not be led down that road. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood and they would not bow. God places disciples in positions to prove himself faithful to his faithful disciples, to prove himself faithful to his faithful disciples. He allows our faith to be tested. God is able to save us physically, but even if he does not, we will not worship any other God or authority. We proclaim him to be above all else. As Joshua said in Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Okay? Let's see how it ends up. Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be piled into rubbles, or turned into piles of rubble. For no other god can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay. He likes making big threats in this. <laughs> he does. And promoting people. And then promoting. Very, very emotional. Very <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he's willing to follow up his threats with action. Yeah. Don't mistake this to say that your boss can't fire you if you stand up for God. If you stand up for yourself and your faithfulness to God, your boss can fire you. Okay. I've known students that were told you cannot go to a Bible study or else you will not get your degree from this university. I have known of students that were told that. And the student said, I'm sorry, but I will have to disobey that. I will be going to the Bible studies. Okay? And leading them. Okay? I've been told not to bring Bibles into countries. But God says we should share His Word with other people. There are multiple ways of sharing His Word. But sharing His Word by bringing Bibles to people that don't have them is one way to do so. And I said, I will obey God rather than people. We see that same principle in the New Testament. Peter and the other apostles, when they were caught, they said, we will obey God rather than men. Okay? So... There's nothing ungodly about driving the speed limit. I will obey the government on the speed limit. There's nothing ungodly about a lot of things we're told to do, told to do, commanded to do by the governments of this world. But there are some things that are ungodly. 
end, we must not bow our knees. Okay? We got to end with veggie tales. I do want you to listen to his preface to the song. I want you to hear what he says about the boss. Okay? God bless you as you commit to him this week. Yay. Yay.